Welcome in to the newest edition of the Justin Time Sports Podcast. I am your host, Justin Jackson. In this week's episode, we'll be discussing the NBA that roars towards the NBA Finals starting tonight. We'll be talking about some NFL news, and then we'll have our best for last. Now, as always, don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe to the Justin Time Sports Podcast on iTunes and Spotify. And don't forget to follow and turn on the post notifications on social media for Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and Twitter for all your breaking news updates and coverage. Now, as always, don't forget to tell your friends about the podcast. And if you're returning, you know what I'm about to say. But if you're new here, sit back and get ready to learn something. excited to be with you guys on a Thursday morning. Um, unusual for me because usually I record the night before and then I put it out the next morning, etc. Uh, but recording on a Thursday morning, it's about 1027 local time uh, when I'm recording this right about now. It's going to be one of those I record and put it right out. So you guys will get these thoughts as fresh as humanly possible. You won't get stuff that I think about later, uh, etc. You'll get it exactly how it is and how it comes out. Um, so excited to be back. Um, for those of you who know me personally, you guys know I was in New York or fellow just time sports even. Uh, you guys know I was in New York. Uh, I was on the scene for Yankees and Liberty. We'll talk about that in Best for Last. So if you want to know what's about my New York trip, listen in the Best for Last. But we are jumping right into the NBA. Of course, the NBA final start tonight. The NBA has a long season. It's like eight months, um, nine months. It's a long, winding season. It starts off late September, early October. Starts off in October, ends in the middle of June. Um, and it is a winter sport, but it finishes in the summer. Um, and so it is a long, winding season that really um, extrapolates over time. The 82 games. Um, and then to get to this point, you got to win 12 postseason games. That takes about a month and a half. And then you get here. You get here June 1st. You arrive with the Denver Nuggets who've been waiting nine days to play the finals, and you get the Miami Heat, who waited about three um, after they finished off the Boston Celtics. So we're, we're going to back up. We're going to talk about that Celtics game. So I was actually in New York when this game went down. Um, you know, got some pizza, got some wings, was looking for an exciting game seven uh, because I spoke about last week before I went on the trip. I spoke about last week how, to me, Boston, or Miami rather, had to win that in four in five, in four or five. Because I was saying in four, they just keep dominating the series. Boston looked like they quit in game four. You know, you get them out of there in four, you send Boston into a hell of an offseason. You know, Missoula probably gets fired. What do you do about Jalen Brown, Supermax? And, you know, what do you do about the duo of the future of Brown and Tatum? If you're going to Supermax them both, what do you do about Marcus Smart and Al Horford and the rest, Robert Williams, Grant Williams, the rest of those guys? Um, get them on five, pretty much the same scenario. If it got to game six, in my head, I'm like, Boston's not going to lose a game six. I don't know. Something about that leprechaun. Something about them in the middle of the floor. Something about that garden. Like, they're just not going to lose in game six. And then I said, that's a lot of pressure. 
I'm sorry. They're not gonna lose the game. I'm sorry. I got my situations wrong. I say they're not gonna lose game five. This game's not gonna be hard because that leprechaun. Game six is in Miami. So all the pressures in the world on Miami. If you lose that game at home, I call that the Heat's game six. Uh, game seven, rather. Because I was like, they're not going to win in Boston game seven. At that point, you're mentally defeated. The eight seed thing comes roaring in your head. Whatever. I looked like a genius through game six. Because after the Caleb Martin tip-in, I said it to anyone that, not Caleb Martin, Derek White tip-in. I said it to anyone that would listen, the Heat are broken. That's it. And I said, of course, I was already saying that there's no way they can win the game seven in Boston. But I was also saying that, you know, that 3-0 pressure. Eventually, someone's going to have to beat it. Um, And I was saying, you can't lose the lead like that and win the game. The next game. 48 hours later. You can't. You can't have a 3-0 lead. Jimmy Butler doing a timeout back to Al Horford. Kept that his memory break. Doing a timeout back to Al Horford. You blow a 3-0 lead, and not only do you blow it, but the game that you basically, I was calling your game seven, which was in Miami, you lose in a game where Derek White tips in a Marcus Smart miss three at the buzzer to beat you and send it back to game seven. That is absolutely insane. I did not think Miami had a snowball's chance in hell of getting off the mat and winning a game seven. I said it's in Boston. Boston seems to have flipped all the momentum. That damn leprechaun seems to be working again. I figured that was no chance Miami gets off the mat and wins a game seven. I could not have been more wrong. Now, 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 now. Now, injuries suck. And I got the wings. You know, me and a friend of mine um, got the wings, got some pizza. You know, really was set up for a guy situation to watch game seven um, in our Airbnb in New York. And I was sitting there. And before, we actually took a little while, Uber took a little while to get back. Missed the first like minute in the game of the game, and he gets an alert on his phone. Tatum has a bum ankle. Tatum sprained his ankle. Or Tatum twists his ankle. The game was over. I did not want that series was too good to be decided in the medical tent. And I speak about this all the time. I'm like, man, I wish. And I spoke told to him. I'm like, man, I wish I could just go like 2K and turn injuries off. You know, and just let this game be decided on the floor. The game was over. Tatum couldn't move. I mean, it's a he played like 40-something minutes on one leg. Um, he The Heat should have played him off the floor. But I think the Heat figured as long as he's on the floor offensively and he can't go, he can't go we're in a good spot because he can't really do anything defensively. They're putting him on our worst offensive player. So just let them stand over there with each other. And then that same offensive player, who's probably bad on defense, a Duncan Robinson, can guard him on the other end because he can't go anywhere. He's effectively a catch-and-shoot shooter. And so that left you down to Jalen Brown. 
I'm going to dive off into the... Before I go into this, before I go into this, I want to give the proper congratulations to the Miami Heat. Those guys are the eighth seed. They lost their first play-in game. They, you know, and then summarily dominate the Bucks. Giannis was hurt for three of the first... For the first three games, but they summarily dominate the Bucks. Then they knock off the Knicks. Then they survive from going down in infamy against the Celtics. So I want to give those guys credit because they're in the NBA Finals. The same way why I wanted to give the Nuggets credit before I dove into the Lakers. Because I wanted I wanted to make sure the Nuggets got their just due. They dominated the playoffs. They wiped the Timberwolves out in five. They wiped the Suns out in five or six. And then they wiped the Lakers out in the sweep. So I wanted to give the Denver Nuggets their credit. And I want to give Miami Heat their credit. Like I said, they've taken down the one and the two seed and the five seed on the way to the playoffs. They beat everybody in front of them. Five, a five game, a six game, and a sweep. Or a five, yeah, five game, a six game, and a sweep. They're dominating whatever's in front of them. Kudos to them. They're four wins away from a title. And their first one without a member of the big three ever. And their first one without, without LeBron James um, since he won in 2013. So kudos to the Heat. For getting that. Kudos to Eric Spolstra. This is his sixth finals as a coach. Kudos to Udonis Haslam. This is his seventh final because he was he was a vital member of the 2017 2016 that won with D Wade and Shaq. Um he was a vital member of that team. And of course he still contributed uh to the big three era heat. Actually, was one of the reasons why they took a small pay cut was to keep Haslam in Miami. I think he said he said going to Houston. I think was the other place, or Dallas. Uh, I think was the other place where Haslam was gonna go. Um, and then all the big three decided D-Way taking the biggest chunk to reduce a little bit of the money to make sure Haslam got his money so Haslam could stay on the team. Um, and then of course he's been there ever since. Last couple years, three years, most assistant coach, um, as a motivator, as a vet. But he gets in, he pops in. Like, his last game he played, he hit a couple threes. It was, it was a pretty dope moment um, for Udonis Haslam. And then, of course, there's Pat Riley. There's been 75 NBA Finals. Pat Riley has been a part of 19 of them. Um, he's been a part of 24.7% of Finals. Um, he was a part of three as a player. He was a part of nine as a – or three as a player, I think 10 as a coach, and nine as a player, as a, as a manager. You know, it's, it's insane. He's been a part of – 19 NBA Finals, um, and there's been 75 of them. So Pat Riley has been a winner at a high level his entire career. So again, I want to give all the credit to the Miami Heat before I dive off into my Boston Celtics point because I don't want that to be a distraction. I don't want that to just be like, oh, all they care about is the Celtics when the Heat won. I don't want that to happen. I don't, and the same thing I didn't want like for anybody to say all I care about is the Lakers when the Nuggets won. I don't want that to happen either. You know, so I wanted to give both teams in the finals their just due. Even when we're talking about the conference finals, I want to give those teams their just due. Because we're going to talk about the finals, of course. We're going to give those teams their just due. Just like I dove off into the Lakers. And I didn't dive off into the Lakers as much as I really wanted to last week. But I'm going to dive onto the Celtics here. Boston, you have a problem. And I said it. When Jalen Brown first qualified for the Supermax contract, I said there's an issue there that Boston fans are trying to just ignore. We got the money. We'll pay him. We'll go on luxury tax. We'll pay him. All right. 
Okay. Cool. Tatum got hurt. Sucks. Sucks a lot, actually. Because I, really, I, I really wanted to see how that game went down. With no injuries, with no issues, just basketball. Butler and Bam versus Tatum and Brown. Lowry's in there. Marcus Smart's in there. Caleb Martin's in there. Al Horford's in there. I just wanted to see that game go down. Exactly how I was supposed to do. No injuries, just play basketball. And it didn't happen, unfortunately. And so we don't we don't we don't really get the opportunity to know what would have gone down had Tatum not turned the ankle. Right? Had Tatum not twisted that thing over, we don't know what would have happened. We don't. And that sucks. Jalen Brown had eight turnovers. Now, he's gotten as little to no coverage as when Joel Embiid had nine turnovers in the infamous Ben Simmons passed it game. Remember the game when Ben Simmons passed on the layup to pass it to, I can't even think of who, Seth Curry, Tobias Harris. On the cut when only Trey Young was under the rim. And no, not Tobias Harris. Ah, can't think of who it was. But pass it to Shake Milton or somebody like that. When Trey Young was under the rim. And Ben Simmons caught hell because the Hawks went on a run like right after that. And Ben Simmons caught hell for not dunking Trey Young through the rim, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That excused the fact that Tobias Harris played like dog crap and Joel Embiid had nine turnovers. Now, nobody on Boston played well. Tatum was hurt. But Brian had eight turnovers. Caleb Martin openly said, openly saying, or said, say, whatever. Our game plan literally was make Jalen Brown go left. They ripped Jalen Brown going left at least four times. I can remember off the top of my head very quickly. At least four times he was going to his left and the ball was no longer in his hand. I have multiple ways to attack this, and I want to try and get this out as clearly as possible because I don't want it to be any confusion. I don't want it to be any kind of awkwardness, any kind of issue. I want it to be as clear as I humanly can make it. The Supermax contract was not made for Jalen Brown. It wasn't. It honestly wasn't made for... It was made, okay, I, I give you this Taylor. It wasn't made for a guy like Jalen Brown. It wasn't made for a guy like Trey Young. It really wasn't made for Zion Williamson. Even though, I mean, they're, I mean, they're on their fun matches. But it wasn't made for Jalen Brown. It wasn't made for guys like Trey Young. It wasn't made for those guys. The Supermax contract should only be in the hands of about four to five players. The no doubt, no Question superstars of the NBA. Giannis, Embiid, LeBron, Jokic, potentially KD. That's it. Because everybody else you can think of quickly, those guys, as it may, he could put Tatum in that group. So maybe those six guys or seven guys. Everybody else in the in the league is either not a Supermax guy or they're not old enough. For instance, a healthy Zion Williamson is a Supermax guy. But he's on his fun max for the next five years. The fun max being that rookie max contract extension that everybody gets pretty much. John Morant, Michael Porter Jr., Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram. That max contract off your rookie extension that as long as you're a pretty good player and you're a high draft pick, you're pretty much guaranteed this $190 million, $190 million contract. 
Yeah, I'm not talking about that max. I'm talking about that second max. That max that you hit about age 26, 27, that max, that super max is only built for four or five players in the league. The whole purpose of the super max was to give small market teams a shot. Because remember, in the NBA was year seven. Year seven was the most important year for a franchise of a superstar player. LeBron's year seven, Carmelo's year seven, D-Wade's year seven, Chris Bosh's year seven, um, KD's year seven, Giannis, this came thinking Giannis year seven, um, I'm sure it's going to pop up in Devin Booker's year seven, if Phoenix don't win, Zion's going to pop up in his, Brandon Ingram, Bradley Beal, Dame Lillard, um, Steph Curry wasn't on, the, on that level, he was winning already, somebody was worried about him. And you're saying to yourself, well, Justin, why year seven? The reason why year seven is because after your rookie contract, you extend off that third year. Usually you extend off that third year, or the fourth, off that fourth year, you extend traditionally off. Either off that third year or that fourth year, you should traditionally extend either a four plus one, which is a four-year con- contract that expire after year seven, plus the fifth Fifth, plus that fifth year player option or you sign a 4-5 which means that it's signed at the year 8 or you sign out that fourth year and again those are two options you either sign a 4 plus 1 traditionally or a 4-5 but if you look at the summer 2007 LeBron, Kate, LeBron D-Wade and Bosch signed 3 plus 1's so they can opt out after that third year after their seventh year. The seventh year is usually the year that a guy's in his prime and the team either has to be with him or he looks to jet. LeBron's out the year seven. Bosch is out the year seven. Carmelo makes the moves to the Knicks in the, at the end of year seven. Giannis Supermax kicks in starting with year seven. Year seven's the year. Okay? So that max, not the rookie extension max. That John Moran and Zion. Y'all are going to play on next year, and Brandon Ingram's already playing on. Like, not that max. We're not talking about that max. The max that Tatum's playing on currently. We're not Trey Young's on that max right now. Um, We're not talking about that max. I think Ben Simmons on that max, too. Michael Porter's on it. We're not talking about that max. Bam. We're talking about the seven, the, the, the second max contract. That, that, now there's a max, and there's a super max. Because if Jalen Brown didn't qualify for All-NBA this year... His number would go from five years 295 to like five years 240. It's, it's, it's greatly reduced, right? The regular max for means because that's a regular max contract. Um, That is, you know, X amount of percentage of cap and so much of a raise, whatever. That super max was only built for about four or five players in a week. It was designed so that small, small, uh, Sorry, more small market teams didn't lose their superstar in year seven or year eight. You feel me? Though LeBron, instead of saying, well, Miami, let's just throw numbers out there. Miami's got five years, this is 2010, five years, 180. And the Heat have four years, one, five years, 180 in Miami. Or, Five years at $38 million a year for Miami, for, for Cleveland. And Miami has four years for $35 million a year. I'd rather go play in Miami. I'm out. Because there's no age incentive. 
In the NFL, it's get as much money over as much time with as much guaranteed as possible. In the NBA, you don't really worry about that until the end. Or that's your role player. But if you're a superstar, you really don't worry about that until the end. Because if you come in the league at 19, you play your four years, and you max extend. So you, you, you max ex, you do a four plus one extension at 40, at 20, at 23. Okay? So you do a four plus one extension. You didn't get to it again. You're 27. You can do another four plus one extension at 27 and be 31. So that fifth year, now that 31 contract, that's when you want that fifth year. Because you'd be 36 and you to make a lot of money. That fifth year doesn't matter until you're extending in your 30s. That's when that fifth year comes to matter. Because you're making sure you lock in high, high salary in case your body breaks down, whatever. You've got that high, high salary locked in. That's when that fifth year matters. Before then, that fifth year is irrelevant. Because it only used to come with a couple million dollar raise. So signing with your current team for the max or going to where you want to go for the max yeah, okay, that fifth year is kind of pointless. Like I said, if you're in your 30s, you can kind of make a justification for it. I guarantee myself $40 million at age 36. Okay, now you get a point. But if you're 27, dude, I don't... I'll, my value at 31 and 32 is not going to be that big of a difference. I'll max again regardless, right? The Supermax was in play to try to keep just going back through history of LeBron and Cleveland. A Giannis in Milwaukee, a Zion in New Orleans, a Jai in Memphis. Um, trying to think of some other small town guys that were just uh, superstars. Carmelo in Denver. Because um, Carmelo had the supermax, the idea he would never have left Denver. Uh, Carmelo in Denver. Um, Kevin Garnett in Minnesota. Ray Allen in Seattle. Um, except, like, Keep these Kevin Durant, maybe in Oklahoma City, James, you know what I'm saying? So, like, try and keep these guys in these smaller markets and on their original teams because the NBA went through an identity crisis where fans connected with players more than teams, and they still do. Um, and so there's an identity crisis in terms of fandom, whatever, right? I say all that to say the Supermax was built for the top five guys in the NBA. It's just... This is plain and simple. Maybe top 10. Like Bradley Bill deserves a supermax, right? Maybe top 10. It was not built for Jalen Brown. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say it. It was not built for Jalen Brown. Because paying Jalen Brown a supermax contract, when you have another supermax contract already on your are going to be on your books the year after, hamstrings your team. Period. No ifs, ands, buts about it. There's no consideration. There is no potential. Whatever. You're hamstrung if you tie yourself to Jalen Brown on a Supermax. I cannot, in good conscience, pay a Supermax contract to a guy that the other team's like, Smith go left, and rips him religiously. He had more turnovers than a baker. It was horrible to watch. Now, again, were they rolling the defense in a way he hadn't seen because of Tatum was basically useless? Maybe. But he's getting ripped on ball by people I've never... Adley Highsmith? Who is that? He ripped Jalen Brown on ball. Guess what hand Jalen Brown was dribbling with? His left. That's a problem. If there was a game for Jalen Brown not to have right before uh, trying to get a Superman extension, it was that one. 
This is where the ace is going to arise. Because he's owed, in his mind, this extension. He's eligible for it based on basketball culture. What I'm eligible for, especially on an achievement base, and I get financial incentive, I'm due. I achieve the levels required based on our collective bargaining agreement in order to get a Supermax contract. I expect to be offered, if I am Jalen Brown, and I'm sure that's what he's thinking, I expect to be offered at the earliest convenience a Supermax contract. Period. No ifs, ands, buts about it. Because if I'm Jalen Brown, I say these parameters were set in place. I achieve them. I get my Supermax. If I'm the Boston Celtics, I say spectacular. You're not getting your Supermax. Either you take this regular Max or you move on. You, got, you have to. I tell them, look, work with us and we'll match you and so do a signing trade with a Max. We'll, we'll, we'll help you out. We'll send you to Portland. And if I'm Boston, I call Portland. I bring, first of all, no, no, no. first thing I do is I bring, Jalen Brown, I bring Jason Tatum to my office. I say, hey, if you want to win championships in Portland, if you want to win championships in Boston, you can't do it with Jalen Brown having a Supermax. It'll hamstring us. We'll have no way to get assets. We'll be at the upper floor of that CBA where we are restricted from second round picks and being able to move and acquire money. And I was just like, no, 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 no. We're not doing that to ourselves. So we're going to move on Jalen Brown. We're going to call for Dan Lillard. We're going to call for Joel Embiid. We're going to focus our strengths on Dame Lillard. Okay? Just wanted to let you know. And I go to the Portland Trailblazers. And I say, signing trade. I tell you, Jalen Brown, a first-round pick this year, a first-round pick in 2026. You trade me, the number three overall pick, Damian Lillard. I say, if you don't want to give me the third overall pick, just Damian Lillard. And I'll give you Peyton Pritchard, Jalen Brown, two first-round picks, three second-round picks, and, and you can give me Damian Lillard in a future first, if that makes you comfortable. And I paired Damian Lillard with Jason Tatum. I said, I was going to basketball games. Marcus Smart now can guard the best defender. Damian Lillard's an automatic bucket. J- uh, Jason Tatum is another automatic bucket. And you can run the exact same team. Except now I'm saying Jalen Brown in that ISO when you go to bad basketball, it's Damian freaking Lillard. Jalen Brown can go to Portland. He'll be the man in Portland. He'll have his max money. He'll have a road dog in Anthony Simons. He'll have whatever the number three pick next, which I'm sure it's going to be Brandon Miller. He'll have a Boston Celtics first round pick, which won't be very high, but maybe they can package picks and pull something else off. Um, maybe they sign Kyle Kuzma. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Maybe they package, maybe they package three. And some other stuff and pull in a top player. You know, who knows what they'll do. But maybe they go get DeAndre Aiden from Phoenix. I don't know. But that gives Portland an opportunity to immediately get younger. You get away from Dane's spotlight. And you get a chance to go in the Northeast and just build in the Northeast. With Anthony Simons, um, Jalen Brown, um, and the rest of that crew. You know, Yusef Nurkic, the number three pick, whoever that is. Boston's first round pick now. Um, and then it gives Boston an immediate one of the best one-two punches in basketball. Damian Lillard is a top five point guard in the NBA. Jason Taylor is a top five wing player in the NBA. You have one of the best one-two punches in the NBA. Um, and you have the opportunity to compete and not really lose your assets. Who cares about, who cares about Peyton Pritchard? I don't. Got to throw in, was it, J.D. Davidson? Throw him in, too. Um, 
throw in a couple of guys who could be something. I don't know, get rid of them. But having Dame and Jason Tatum puts you in a spot to be one of the best teams in the East and to really go and compete for a title. Because you cannot, under any circumstance, pay Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown two Supermaxes. You have no chance of winning an NBA title with those two. I'm sorry, it's just not possible. So, now we're about to run, we're switching gears off of them, and we're going to talk about the NBA Finals. This is a Finals that ESPN did not want. Lakers, Celtics, the fight for 18 wrote itself in terms of marketing, in terms of travel, in terms of story, in terms of star power, in terms of sex appeal, in terms of whatever you want. The battle for 18 wrote itself. You had the old guard versus the new guard. You had Tatum and Brown trying to secure Supermax and be Boston's next uh, future winners. You know, Russell and his crew, Bird, McHale, and Parrish, Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, Tatum, Brown, and Smart. Like they were trying to be that next group. And then you had LeBron, who's only arguing, who's, who's trying to get to the best seat in a very small room in the back of the house. That very that best seat in that very small room inside the inner sanctum, which is the room that he, Kareem, and Michael Jordan occupies. He was trying to secure the throne in that seat. Along with Anthony Davis trying to move himself up the rankings. You had a guy like Darvin Ham trying to prove himself. It was a very it, it practically wrote itself. You had the coastal battles, you had Mikhail and Paris, you had Wilton Russell, you had all these different battles. He just just bounced back and forth. And the Lakers got swept, and the Celtics uh, could not complete that 3-0 comeback. So now you get Denver-Miami, which the main thing they've been showing from Denver-Miami is when Jokic uh, shoulder-blocked Marcus Morris in the back and like knocked Morris out for like months. Um, that's the only thing they've been showing. They've been you know trying to give respect to the Nuggets while trying to not undersell the heat anymore it's kind of been an awkward thread job um but it's gotten done for the most part um i think denver easily wins this series easily and i kind of said it all last week whoever wins out of boston miami gets the right to lose to denver and i stand by that sentiment you're not beating denver sorry sorry to be the very bad news i guess you're not beating Denver. It's not happening. So, in that case and in that breath, Jokic is going to hoist the Finals MVP. We're two weeks away, under two weeks away, from Nikola Jokic hoisting the Finals MVP. Because it's going to be open about five, maybe six. I guess Spolstra game and Jim Butler game, so six. What are you going to do with Nikola Jokic? And some people are asking, what are you going to do with Jimmy Butler? Jimmy Butler hosts, hoists the title. Easily. Top eight player. Max contract guy. Leader of a championship team. Whatever. Lock. First battle Hall of Famer at that point. I mean, he's a Hall of Famer at that point. You know, all, some of the All-NBAs. Some of the All-Stars. The Finals MVP. Uh, you know, he, he's, a, he's a Hall of Famer at that point. It's easy for Jimmy Butler. But he never enters any real discussions. Right? 
what do you do with Nikola Jokic? Because if Jokic, sorry, when Jokic pulls this off, he would have an NBA title. He would have a Finals MVP. He would have two regular season MVPs, including back-to-back. He'd have a first-team All-NBA, at least one. He'd have multiple All-NBAs. He'd have multiple All-Star appearances. Five, six All-Star appearances, two or three appearances on the All-NBA team. I'm sure he's going to live on All-NBA and All-Star going forward, especially when they change it to you got to play a certain amount of games and you can, and front court, back court, there's no position for All-NBA anymore. What do you do with Nikola Jokic? What room does he enter? International players have it a little differently because they have the, oh, the best international player and then the best player, you know, whatever. Because let's be honest, there's no international player even in the top 10 as far as all in all time. So they enter a different room. They have a different section in the, in the, in the, in the sanctum. They have their own room back there, the international players, right? Jokic walks in that room, right? He walks in. He sees Dirk Nowitzki. He sees Manu Ginobili. He sees Tony Parker. He sees Giannis Antetokounmpo. He sees Joel Embiid. He sees Arvita Sabonis. He sees Tony Kukoc. Um, he sees, I'm sure there's some other names I'm forgetting. Hakeem Olajuwon. Um... You know, those are the main... I can't think of anybody else right now, and I apologize. It's probably somebody super obvious I'm forgetting. Um, but I apologize. That I can't think of anybody else. But he sees those guys in that room. That's who's in the room. Right? So we've established that those guys... You know, and, and obviously Embiid don't have a GOAT case for best national player. But I'm thinking, like, you know, Hakeem and Giannis and Dirk. Like, that's pretty much who's in the inner sanctum of that room. Who's in the inner work? Who's in the inner room of that room? Who's in the private room in the back, right? Jokic walks in after winning, and he's holding the Finals MVP trophy. What do you do with him? To me, he walks right in the front door. He goes right around in the back. He sits himself at the table. He sits right there with Hakeem. He sits right there with Dirk. He sits right there with... Um, Giannis. Giannis is in that room. He's got all the all the NBAs, the final, the final MVP, the title, whatever. He, Giannis is in the room. I don't want to hear about it. Uh, Giannis is in the room. He sits right there. Okay, which seat does Jokic occupy? Is he at the head of the table? Is he very close to the head of the table? To me, he goes to the front of the table. He gets. He's the he's the best Euro ever at that point. He passes Dirk. Now, international, he sits behind Hakeem still. Steve Nash is in that room, too. Steve Nash is Canadian, South South Africa. Steve Nash is in that room, too. He sits in the European table at the front, just behind Hakeem and the international table. Nikola Jokic wins this title. He's the greatest European basketball player ever. Period. He jumps Wherever you have Giannis and Dirk, he goes in front of them immediately. Because for Dirk, Dirk only has one MVP. So does Giannis. They both only have one ring. Nikola Jokic will pull up in the room with two MVPs and a ring and a finals MVP. 
he walks in with a bigger resume. To me, Jokic becomes the greatest European player of all time. That's what's on the line for Nikola Jokic. He goes into a room, and he immediately sits at the front of that table. Like I said, he's behind Hakeem still, because Hakeem's a borderline top 10 player of all time. Jokic isn't there yet, but I'm sure by the end of his career, he will hoist another MVP more than likely, um, and he'll stack all NBAs, all, all you know, team records and all this stuff. He'll, he'll stack that stuff up. Um, so he'll, his resume may end up passing Kareem's by the end, or Hakeem's by the end. Um, but he's on the line. He enters a room of the centers. Kareem, Hakeem, Shaq, Wilt, Russell are definitively centers that are better. Who's sixth? He'd have a better career than Patrick Ewing. So got two MVPs on the title. And Patrick Ewing don't have that. He would have a better career than everybody else. You know what I'm saying? It's not like he's got a better career than those guys. He's got a better career than Lambeer. Lambeer got two titles, but he ain't nobody in MVP, nobody finals MVP. Um, like I said, Wilt, Russell, Shaq. Um, Wilt, Russell, Shaq, Hakeem, Kareem are definitively better. Everybody else goes behind Jokic. Jokic is the top six center in NBA history if he wins this ring. Nikola Jokic has the opportunity to become one of the greatest players in NBA history in about two weeks. I think he gets it done in five. But I said I'll give six because, again, I give Spolstra a game for coaching, and I give Jimmy Butler a game out of respect. So six games, Nikola Jokic hoists the NBA title, and he hoists the finals MVP. He's the greatest European player of all time. He's the top six center of all time. And he's the second greatest international player of all time. And he becomes one of the faces of the NBA. I mean, that's where we're at right now. Um, so absolutely incredible opportunity here for Nikola Jokic. Jimmy Butler has the opportunity. If he wins it and he hoists it to be a top 10 player, to be an undoubted superstar, and to be the first guy um, since D-Wade, really, to go in solo into a finals and win. Because Shaq was a shell of himself. Of course, LeBron had his big three help. Although that second title, he was basically solo by that point. Um, he turned up superstardom. And Jimmy Butler has a chance to get his number in the rafters in Miami. If he wins a ring, 22 is going up. I don't care what happens after that. Um, so, massive opportunity on both sides for the Nuggets and the Heat. But moving into a little offseason news. Um, you know, Kyrie to the Lakers has been connected from day one. Um, Kyrie went to two of the four games in the West Conference Finals. Um, set course out in both. LeBron acknowledged him in both. Um, as LeBron tends to do with his friends, he acknowledged Aaron Donald one game. Shannon Shop comes. He usually he usually at least nods to him or gives some kind of recognition um, to him. Um, you know, and it's just when those things start, you know, he, he acknowledges his friends. So he acknowledged Kyrie, of course, did, did, did their handshake, etc. I want a narrative to be put out on Front Street and decide it right now. I'm not going to decide it. I want the masses to decide it. Does LeBron win the Lakers or not? I don't want it to be, I heard it with the bubble. LeBron's going to win the title. Or LeBron has to win the title. Does the bubble count or not? Decide right now. If the bubble ring is cheapened or not, because depending on who wins it, you know that narrative's going to change. The Lakers won and it became the bubble didn't count. 
immediately, right? Right now, does LeBron run the Lakers? And is Rob Palenka effectively a Aaron boy? Because if they land Kyrie, you know the narrative's going to be, well, LeBron really wanted Kyrie, and the Lakers capitulated in an effort to keep LeBron James happy. And if they don't land Kyrie, those same people are going to say, well, you know, the Lakers put their foot down, and even though LeBron wanted Kyrie, woo woo So if Kyrie's there, it's because LeBron wanted him there. And if he's not there, it's because the management didn't want him there. That doesn't work. It's like that whole Michael Jordan score 40 points or 50 points a game thing today. And then I said, okay, cool. Dominique would have scored 42. Then people look at me insane. And then Reggie Miller would have scored 42. And Kevin Durant and LeBron back in those days would have scored 20. And everybody goes, well, no, that's not the case. The math doesn't work any other way. So in this case, it doesn't work any other way. Decide right now. If LeBron runs the team, whether Kyrie's on the team or not on the team, LeBron either didn't want him there or wanted him there. If Kyrie, if LeBron doesn't run the team and Le- Kyrie ends up on the team, either Kyrie was there for management or Kyrie's not there for management. But you can't change the narrative and to try to capitulate to your own thoughts. It doesn't work. It does not work. The math doesn't work. The logic doesn't work. So say we must decide right now what is the ultimate outcome of the situation because you gotta pretty much decide right now whether LeBron runs it or whether he's just a player. Um, decide right now. Figure it out amongst yourselves. Um, but decide right now and let me know um, so I can know how to address this offseason to fetch you to help you guys better. And then some coaching news. Uh, Nick Nurse was hired by the Milwaukee Bucks with the backing of Giannis Antetokounmpo. Spoke about that too. Bud doesn't get fired unless Giannis is cool with it. And I said the next coach doesn't get hired unless Giannis is cool with it. Came out pretty quickly after Nick Nurse got hired. Giannis was cool with it and endorsed him. Yeah, I figured that. And then Monty Williams lands in Detroit. Uh, six years, $72 million base um, with a... Uh, max value of a hundred million dollars um, based on team incentives and other things. Um, so huge money for Detroit to commit to a coach. Huge money for huge money for Monty Williams. Um, Detroit put it on Front Street. They're serious about winning and turning around their culture. Monty Williams basically built the Suns culture before he was summarily pushed out. And so now the Suns, or now the Pistons rather, look for him to do something similar in Detroit. They got a couple of young pieces. They got a Kay Cunningham. Um, you know what I'm saying? They got uh, the kid they drafted last year. And they got some pretty decent young pieces. They got the fourth or fifth overall pick this year. Um, so they've got an opportunity to continue to add to those pieces um, and try and build a contender if at all possible. So we're definitely going to keep our eye on uh, Detroit. Um, and Monty Williams hopefully wish him success. Up next, we're going to shift to the NFL and talk about what's going down there.
Welcome back into the show. And now we're going to jump into the NFL really quickly and discuss what's happening there. I didn't intend for the NFL to be on this show at all. But when news starts breaking, like, I don't know, DeAndre Hopkins being free, you sort of got to talk about it, right? Um, And so DeAndre Hopkins was released by the Arizona Cardinals. It was never going to work. He had to renegotiate his contract and extend it to get his money or get traded to get his money. Um, And the Cardinals, he would pay part of his salary. Hey, well, people wanted the Cardinals rather to pay part of his salary. And that just wasn't tenable. Um, So I think the league might have came together in a sort of collusion to try and make Arizona cut him. Um, And so they did. And I'm sure his agent was telling people around the league, like, hey, don't trade for him. If you, unless you really, really want him and going to commit to him financially because we're thinking Arizona's going to release him, which Arizona released him. And so he's completely free. He's free to do whatever he wants. He's been, he's been doing a media tour. I think I spoke about it last week. He's been doing a media tour around different things. I am athlete, pivot, other sources. Um, maybe not pivot, but I am athlete for sure. Um, and other places where he was openly talking about what he wanted from a quarterback, what he wanted from his next team, you know, what he was looking for um, in his next situation. Also, it came out that he's looking for a very lucrative contract. So I figured he wasn't going to sign a one-year, $10 million deal and then try to cash in. He wants to cash in now. Um, he's not looking for one of those proven deals where you play really, really good and then you go to free agency. And after you go to free agency, then you hope somebody signs you, you end up on a bad situation, and so on and so forth. Pretty much how he got to Arizona. Um, and so... He's not looking for that. He's looking for a team that wants to win with a quarterback who loves the game. Um, he wants to win, be happy, and get paid. It's a very hard thing to get in the NFL, but that's what he's looking for. Um, and so multiple locations have been linked to him. Patriots and Bills became like the favorites in the clubhouse after his interview media tour. Um, it kind of kicked certain people out. Um, and he kind of kicked people out like Kansas City. They just don't have the money. Um, Buffalo can't create it. New England can pretty easily. But I feel like Kansas City doesn't have the money. Miami doesn't have the need. Um, a return to Houston is possible. I don't know how he feels about Davis Mills. Deshaun Watson openly wants him in Cleveland. Um, the Rams really aren't in the free agents right now. You know, so it's kind of like it ruled out the Chargers have him kind of already there Mike Williams um so the the it kind of ruled out a few places I think he ends up in New England um Buffalo are going to Cleveland with Deshaun Watson um those are my three bets for him if I had to place money on teams he would go to it would be those three um so teams have an opportunity to land one of the top five receivers in the game um he's older he's aging but he's still D-hop he's still nuke he's one of the top five receivers in the game so it'll be very interesting to see where he lands and where he ends up um, after all of this uh, situation is going. Follow Justin Town Sports because I'll keep you guys updated with it as much as humanly possible. And, of course, you guys will know when I know. Um, Austin Eckler re-upped with the Chargers this year uh, to go from the ad about two, two and a half million dollars, I think in incentives. Uh, to his contract, and so he's going to re-up with the Chargers for a year, and then enter free agency next season, next offseason. So, Eckler gets a chance to prove it, see if he can continue those touchdown ways under Kellen Moore, and then try to go in the offseason and cash in. Uh, the New England Patriots, 
were docked two voluntary OTA, OTA practice days for a violation of league rules uh, behind Joe Judge. I forgot exactly what Joe Judge did, but it cost the Patriots two volunteer OTA days. Nothing that, you know, you lose in the playoffs and you're like, man, if they had those two OTA days, it's not something like that, but it's definitely one of those, like, message send moments. Um, the NFL sent the message to the Patriots, like, whatever happened would not be tolerated further. Um, as a Patriots fan, kind of makes me happy because when we're cheating, we're winning. So, kind of makes me excited, you know? Uh, <laughs> So, uh, that's kind of how I feel about the situation. But, you know, the Patriots, again, were docked two volunteer OTA days. Um, Aaron Rodgers and his new receivers still have not gotten hardly any reps together. Usually when Rodgers throws, it's reportedly he's been throwing to Lazard and Cobb. He's been throwing to his familiar weapons. He has not been really ingratiating himself with Garrett Wilson and the rest of that Jets receiving room that was there prior to the Green Bay additions. Um, so, I'm sure that is going splendidly in the locker room. And lastly, there was a video released of the Tempe Bucks quarterback competition. Um, it's bad. I usually say this facetiously, that I'm better than a couple of guys in the NFL collecting millions of dollars to play this sport. I'm better than both of them. I know for a fact, in that situation, I am better than the Bucks quarterbacks right now. I know that without a shadow of a doubt, without a sliver of a fraud, of a potential not being true, I am better than the bus quarterbacks based on the film that was shown in that snippet. Now, it was shown in different scenarios. They had that drill where they came off the left side. Then there was another one where they came from the right side and the angle was different. They were missing badly then. Like, I know I am better than them based on that video. It's that bad. It's like Tampa wants to lose. That is a horrible cornerback competition. That's like choosing between a bad thing and a horrible thing. Regardless, you're not gonna like it. But one's a little less than, but one's a little worse than the other one. Like it's just bad. It's god awful. It's bad. And I hope that Tampa Bay does something about that because otherwise they are going to get absolutely destroyed with quarterback play that rough. But up next. Uh, We're going to shift to the best for last, which is going to be a discussion about my trip to New York. Welcome back into the show. And now we're going to jump into best for last. Which is going to be a discussion, or at least a live voice talk about my trip to New York. Don't know how to, discuss, how to describe it. But anyway, we're going to talk about why how my experience in New York. First of all, New York's an amazing city. Uh, it's a literal concrete jungle. It was weird seeing no grass. Like I'm from the South. I'm from Louisiana. I see grass everywhere. Grass, trees, mosquitoes, bugs. Those things just exist. In New York, I don't recall getting bit by a mosquito. It was like end of May. And it was like, I don't recall getting my mosquito. It was like 75, 80 degrees. Like, it was great. The weather was beautiful. In certain parts of the city, there's like a tree every block. And then you look on like these high rises and you see grass and trees planted on the top of buildings. Um, because I guess whoever owned the building wanted greenery. I don't know. Um, and then, of course, Central Park is beautiful. That's why all the grass and the greenery exists in New York Central Park. 
I was in Central Park two days. I don't recall seeing the same. I mean, I recall seeing the same thing twice, but it was incredibly intentional. But off shooting from those things, I didn't see the same thing twice. Um, it was absolutely amazing. Food was great. Uh, had some new experiences food-wise. You know, Korean barbecue. Never done that before. That was pretty good. Um, not what I was expecting, of course, but pretty solid. Um, you know, had some other things. But anyway, that's not important. What's important here is New York City. You don't know how freaking lucky you are. I'm from Louisiana. All right? I'm not New Orleans. So even if I do count New Orleans, we have two sports teams. We have the Saints and we have the Pelicans. Um, You know, I'm looking at Houston. Like, Houston has the Dynamo. They have the Astros. They have the Renegades. They have the Texans. They have the Rockets. Um, I'm thinking Dallas. You know, Dallas has the Stars. Dallas has the, uh, I'm sorry, Houston Roughnecks. Dallas Renegades. Uh, Dallas has the Stars, uh, the Renegades, the Rangers, the Cowboys, the Mavericks, etc. L.A., you know, Clippers, Lakers, all that stuff, whatever. L.A. can compete with New York, but that's about it. L.A.'s got Clippers, Lakers. They've got Sparks. They have Rams, Chargers. They have uh, Angels, Dodgers. Um, You know, they can compete with New York. But New York, you don't know how freaking lucky you are, dude. Like, you have no no idea. I was in sports heaven. I I refuse to see a Mets game. I don't like the Mets. But I'm a Yankees fan. I got to be in Yankee Stadium for the first time. If you guys follow Justin Time Sports social media, it's on there. And Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. No, I, didn't, I don't think I tweeted it. I did tweet it. I Instagram did it and Facebook did it and tweeted it for sure. I don't think I TikToked it. Um, but, you know, I got to be in Yankee freaking stadium, dude. Like, that's spectacular. And then the very next day, go to Barclays in Brooklyn to go watch the Liberty play the Sun, uh, which was a great game. Shout out Brianna Stewart and um, Sabrina Yanesco having a great game. The environment in both locations were electric and for two totally different reasons. Yankee Stadium, it was rowdy. It was raunchy. It was loud. They were, uh, the fans were cursing out Fernando Tatis religiously, except for the one lady who kept trying to get his attention to get his number and then go home with him. Um, and then for the Liberty game, it was respectful. It was high energy. It was cheering for the Liberty. It was no real slanders at all to the Connecticut Sun. Um, it was a fun, great environment um, for the uh, Liberty game. Paul Gasol and Mikael Bridges was there. Um, it was a pretty dope experience. And before I go off too further into New York, I do have to make a correction. Uh, Milwaukee bus coach is not Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse went to the Philadelphia 76ers, uh, replacing Doc Rivers. My apologies. Um, my serious apologies about that. It's kind of like Philly just tweeted about Nick Nurse being the coach. So that's kind of was like my red flag there. So my apologies there. Uh, for that critical mistake, um, the Milwaukee Bucks hi- did hire a coach, um, and his name is Adrian Griffin. Um, he came from Toronto Raptors, and that's when my confusion came in because, of course, Nick Nurse was fired from the Raptors. Adrian Griffin comes in from the Raptors to the Bucks. Nick Nurse went to Philly. Yeah, I messed all that up. But Nick Nurse uh, is into Philly. Adrian Griffin is the Milwaukee Bucks. So, again, my apologies on that. I wanted to correct that and get that in before the end of the show. Um, but, anyway, shifting um, back to New York. So, I say, like, and there was still, we didn't see the Mets. 
Um, the Rangers were already out, uh, so we didn't see them. Uh, that was an event at Madison Square Garden. Not sure what it was, but we could have went there. Like New York has so many great opportunities for great sports, and with the public transit system, which I got to experience full firsthand, full force, has some issues there. Um, like people were doing illegal stuff in the subway, and the cops just sat there and did nothing. Um, that's a whole other situation. But you know, the, with the public transit system, right, there's a stop for the Barclays Center. It's like when you get out of the train. You're at Barclays. Like you pop out of the subway and you're like across. You're like around the corner from Barclays Center. Um, so like you pop out of the subway and you you can either go right or left, but the most popular thing is to go straight and turn to right and you cross straight across the street to the Barclays Center. There's a stop for Madison Square Garden. It's literally like right outside of Madison Square Garden. There's of course you can get the Grand Central. You can go anywhere in the city. Um, there's a Yankee Stadium stop that's right outside of Yankee Stadium. Like, with a public transit system, they have set it up where you can go to these sporting events and you can do whatever you want to do, drink, party, have you, how you want to go at the game, and then ride public transit back home or at least really close to back home. Like, uh, for instance, if you parked somewhere and you caught a bus, you parked out of a bus station, you know, you caught a bus or a train or a subway to the Yankee game, you ride that train back, you get off, you drive your car home. You know, you know, that's the way you know how to pay for parking. That's the way you know your car is secured, whatever. Like, if you just drive, if you live in the city, you drive to the station, get on the, get in, get on the public transit, go to the game, come back, drive your car, and go home. Um, so that would be a way to avoid traffic and stuff like that. So it's set up really, really well. In New York, you don't know how lucky you are. It was a dope experience. Like, I'm a Yankees fan. I've never been to Yankee Stadium. So to be in Yankee Stadium was absolutely amazing for me personally, but I'd never done it. And one of those experiences where it's like, you know, it's a, it's a bucket list moment. Like, I was in Yankee Stadium. I actually texted a picture to my uncle. Um, he said I hurt his heart because he's a Yankees fan too, and he'd never been. So um, I got to be, I was in Yankee Stadium. Then, like I said, the very next day in Barclays, beautiful arena. Absolutely gorgeous arena. The team store is a little weird because the beams go through the team store. So there's a couple of moments where stuff's like blocked off by beams. And like to get certain merch, I could like step over a beam. That was a little awkward. Um, but absolutely beautiful arena was the Barclays. Um, it definitely puts into context one of those like the Pelicans gotta step it up. I'm a Pelicans fan. New Orleans gonna lose to New York anyway. The facilities. I mean, like I said, I just seen the the, the the Barclays Center. Like, that's going to kick the Smoothie King Center's butt every time. I didn't go inside of Madison Square Garden. Barclays even looks cooler than Madison Square Garden. Now, reverence-wise, that arena feel, the most famous arena in the world and all that stuff, like, I would love to go to a game in, in, in Madison Square Garden just so I can experience it. I want to do an NBA game in Barclays and an NBA game in Madison Square Garden just to feel it. Um... But as far as aesthetically, like the Barclays is cool. It's got that big brown outer rim thing, like this natural wood looking situation with like a garden thing on the side and giant boards. And then you go inside, you smooth into the building. Bigger seats than most than the Marines I've said in before. Like the Barclays did it right. Like whoever designed that thing did a beautiful job. It's amazing to look at. New Yankee Stadium, it feels it, it gets an old school feel because of how they built it, Coliseum style. And you get in there, and again, it's so much space. It's big. The seats you had room in it. You didn't feel like you were on top of people. Uh, I was in left field. Like I said, you can see the photo 
Maya Angle from on Justin Time Sports social media. You know, like me, my wife, and our friends, you know, we all went to New York together, and it's just like you had these um this great view. It's just it was beautiful. Like it was perfectly done for the Yankees. Right outside the center field wall, you can see the train go on the train tracks. Like I said, it was great. Um it was spectacular. Um, so great job, New York. You don't know how lucky you are, New York sports fans, living in that city, having the ease of access um, with the multiple teams. And like I said, with public transit, um, you can drink, party, all that stuff. Take a little while to get back. But you can do whatever you want to do at the game, get to the station, and get home uh, for the most part. So kudos to um, New York. I had a blast. Like I said, the sports scene was crazy. Uh, like I said, going from the Yankees and the Padres to straight into Liberty and Sun uh, was a great experience. But that is all I have for today. Like I said, I finished recording this. I'm going to edit it a little bit just to make sure it's all clean and crisp for you guys. And then I'm going to upload it straight out. So um, a little bit non-traditional way of how I like to do things. Usually I usually let things breathe. Usually I record like Wednesday night, put it out Thursday morning. But I'm going to just let it rock. Um, as soon as it is able to rock, um, as soon as producers and stuff clear it for me. Um, so once we're all good with that, it will be posted. And of course I'll let you guys know I'll blast on social media as always, but I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. I hope you guys have a great weekend. Um, NBA finals again starts tonight. Uh, game one, I'm going to have the nuggets take it. I'm going to have the nuggets take game one. I just feel that's going to be too much. Not an emotional letdown, but Jokic and them been resting for a week, and I just don't believe in rust for those guys. I, Miami has a shot if the Nuggets shooters are cold, but other than that, I've got the Nuggets winning um, game one. I got the Nuggets winning the series in six. Um, so, and closing out Miami's home floor. The altitude is going to be rough for Miami to adjust to, although they flew in right after their game against Boston. Um, but we're going to see how it goes. I got the Nuggets winning game one. But that is all I have for today. This is your owner and host, Justin Jackson, signing out.